that's the stigma. I felt so weak. I went in there feeling like Megan, like get it together, but I couldn't. I had to go in there and admit that that medicine was not working and that it was making me a bad parent. And, and that's hard, you know, and then I have to wean off of it. And then I have to, it's scary not knowing, do I have seizures? Like these are things people don't see. Hey guys, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today I'm here with Megan, who's going to share her journey on epilepsy. So I am so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me because there is very little education on epilepsy. Very, very yes. little. And without this education, there's a giant stigma. No one knows how to provide support how to have these conversations. And I'm really excited for you to jump in and tell me more about your journey with epilepsy. I'm very excited to let you know, because over even being online and speaking to people recently, I've learned that a lot of people have no clue what it really is. Um, a lot of them just think it is like, I call it like shaken bacon, you know, like that's all they think it is. And it's like so much more than that and so I get emotional because unless people know like it's so hard to live this is even part of my emotions like it's and this is even silly thing because it's in my brain part of it so I have frontal and left temporal lobe epilepsy so some of it is my uh, emotions and things like that now I got epilepsy sorry I, I always had epilepsy I was born with epilepsy it didn't come affect me until I was 30 so at 30 years old, I got two seizures, um, four weeks apart. I was then put on medication. It's called Lamotrigine on a low dose. And I was fine until I was 35. And I finally decided to do something for myself and go um, for law clerk. And um, I was really excited. And I got into school and I started um, having these weird things happen to me. And I didn't know what was going on, but I'd just be like, oh, you're just having a moment, Megan, you know, like you just pass things off, like, you know, and so um, what I was having is what people describe as burnt toast, which also is a thing that's silly to me, because it that really disillusioned, like how things were, because I don't smell burnt toast. My partials is what it is called is totally different. Mine. Um, so when I started having those, I would have deja vus. And the way I explain it is I felt like I was having a dream and I woke up. And I was trying to remember that dream and it was right there, but I couldn't get it. And then it was gone. And so then I would be like, but it would be like a movie or like token. Like there, it was really weird. And I don't play video games. And sometimes that's what it reminded me of was like a video game. So this happened about three times and people started noticing. Cause I would sit there and think really hard. Like I would be really trying to get this memory out as hard as I could, but I couldn't get it out. Um, and then they started noticing and I was like, yeah, so I started um, going and I, I encourage a lot of people to go look at Reddit. The epilepsy group that they have on there um, is what taught me everything I know almost now about epilepsy um, and what I go through and allowed me to talk to my doctor to acknowledge things that I was going through that I didn't know were epileptic. I couldn't bring them up because I didn't know. So then things I was able to bring up that were happening to me, um, like glazing off, like sometimes I just glaze off and I'm, and some people are like, Oh, like, like she's zoned and I am zoned out, but I'm there. I can hear you. 
but I'm in my own like thought, you know, and the difference between other people like going and like not going is that like, I can feel my body, like my eyes lock, like it's a different feeling than it is, you know? And like when I, I have to blink a couple and then I'm like, I can come to, that's also a partial, you know? I get where um, I get sick and I dry heave, like, a, like I smelt something really bad. My palms start to sweat like crazy. That's a partial. These are things that people happen in their life that would have no clue were partials, you know? And this is also when people see things, they have no clue what's going on, you know? Um, being tired is a really big problem and people don't get that you know, because the whole part of controlling the epilepsy is slowing down your neurons, which slows down your brain, which is going to make you tired, you know? Um, and so from there, learning that on Reddit, I was able to learn more things. And unfortunately in learning things, things progressed for me. So I started with the partials and then I had a complex partial, which is where you start off with a deja vu. And so, um, and I'm able now to feel that coming on. I can feel it inside now. So I'm able to, um, but I felt that. And then what happened next is I went out. So I didn't have a grand mal. I didn't shake or anything, but I was not conscious there. Um, and so I lost like, but I'm, I'm talking to you, but inside I'm not there. Like, I don't know what we're talking about when I come back out, but I remember going in. So the first time that happened um I my friend I was at my friend Sarah's house and um it was really weird because if I hadn't talked to her I wouldn't even really known what happened I thought that I was sitting on her couch and I thought in my mind that um I had a, a deja vu is what I thought I thought I was out of it already and I went she was building a fan and I was hot because I had a partial sometimes I got hot so I went to cool off that never happened I did not go sit beside her. I was on the couch the whole time. That blew my mind. I'm like, I was like, no, Sarah, like, you know, and she's a PSW. So she knows medical, like she's educated. She was going to school for nursing. Like, so she knows. And then she's like, no, Megan, like, that's not, this is what happened, you know? And so people don't even understand those things either, you know? And so um, it definitely, education needs to go out there for kids too. Like I'm, I'm now 37. I um, have always been good at researching. I went to school because I like law to research, you know, and um, it took me a while to find that group. And that group like has, I, I'm not much of a talker on there, um, but I read a lot of things. Even with medicine, I read, I'm able to express myself and say, listen, I've gone on Reddit. I've talked to people from England or not talk, sorry. I've read things from people all over the world, which is what I love. And this medicine does this. And I like, there's a medicine called, um, um, oi, what's it called? It's um, Kepra. And it's a really normal, like a lot of people get that. And a lot of people get called Kepra rage and people don't understand this stuff either. Um, and it makes you great. Like it makes you really mad. Now I have anxiety and it can come out in frustration and anger. So I would, in reading that, I was able to say to my doctor, you know what? I don't think that's right for me because I already have these issues and I don't need to add to that because that's not healthy. But if I didn't read that, I would have just not expressed that if that group wasn't there. And I would have just taken the medicine. Now, unfortunately I took what's called Brevlavera which is a sister drug of that. And 
it wasn't any better for me. And that's another thing that's hard. It made me like go into a manic state. Um, and I had, and you try things. So let's give it time. Like this is all medicine. Give it a little bit of time, you know, which you do have to, I get that. Um, and I have never said like gone back, but I was like, I can't do this drug anymore. And so now I'm at a point right now where I'm, I'm not on as much, like I got rid of that drug and I'm kind of in a limbo where um, I'm still having complexes a bit right now because I took that drug off and haven't replaced it. And that drug was stopping me from having complex partials. So, um, but I'm okay right now. I'd rather where I am right now because I did not like who I was on that drug. And, and this is like, that is a hard stigma. I have a hard time on my brain where my emotions, my met, all of that stuff, the wiring's buggered up. So even for me to accept that is hard, you know, to, to acknowledge that my brain is different, that even from 30 till I'm 37, like, um, it's, it's my mem it's just hard. And that's what people don't get. Sorry. You're good. It must have been really terrifying, especially in the beginning when you don't really know what's going on. And as you said, a lot of your information and research came from Reddit, not from your doctor. No. And that must have been really frustrating. And like, you don't know what you don't know. So I think I was having partials before I even knew it was happening. Just because if you have a day, like, you know, you smell something bad and you dry heave for a second, you're like, oh my God, you know, and so I wouldn't even smell something. But if that were to happen, people don't put thought into that, you know, like it just happens. Right. So, and these are the thing what's hard because that's inside and it's happening and you think it's normal and then you find out it's not. And that the whole time it was this. And, and so it's mind blowing. It's, it's yeah. really hard. Yeah. And with medication, like you said, it was hard to find the right one. And one that was recommended to you, you found out from Reddit, no, that's not the right one. How long did it take to really figure out what medication worked best for you? So another thing that's hard with women who are of childbearing, um, like I, the whole time, like I can't have more children, but my doctor, um, just to be safe, always made sure I was on something that if I were to get pregnant, that everything would be okay with the baby, because this is a big problem. Like, I don't know if people know, but having a baby, um, and having epilepsy and being on medicine, like that's, that's not the same as everybody else. There's different things. There's the fact that your medicine may not work. Like the medicine's not good for the baby. A lot of people, the hormones changes, you have more seizures because of it, you know? And so like all of these things, um, happen to people with, with different medicines, you know? And so, um, now I'm just waiting and, and even the medicine that I'm going to go on, to be honest, like I told them, I don't know if I want to go on it, but I also have a daughter and I have to think of her. And so sometimes when I think about things, if it was just me, I would take the, I, I, think I would be okay with how I am right now because um I don't know how often I have grand malls like this because I've never been like this before so I might not I might just have complexes for two seconds and and that might be it but having Alexis that's my daughter I can't do that to her so I take this medicine because I'm not scarring her because if I know I can keep myself safer for her then I'll do that. When I don't have a kid, like things may change or I'll always help my kids. Sorry. Well, my kid's older and I'm, and she's not living in my home and I'm not going to emotionally like scar her like that'll be a different situation. So even 
being a mom with that like I have to think about these things it's not just about me and that is a powerful powerful statement and it takes a lot of strength and courage because it's terrifying I imagine that it must be terrifying and not knowing should I take this medication should I not take this medication what if my daughter sees something how do I protect her how do I be there for her and your main focus as you just said is making sure you don't emotionally scar her and that is yes. incredible yeah thank you it's it's a big like it's a lot already for her um because like there is some things like I'm not a, a perfect parent you know what I mean and then she has a parent who has like um, a neurological disorder and coming along with that um, a lot of people also have um, different mood disorders with it and so there is other things like that like my poor kid will ask me things sometimes and then I'll say yes and then I'll go and it'll be things that I usually and I'm like what are you what are you doing Alexis like why are you doing that and she's like you said yes and I'm like I don't know if I said yes so there's learning that now, even since it's like my child tricks me because she's a little girl, like she's 11, 12, and it's natural to do that. Like I, like I don't, she doesn't, she's a kid, you know what I mean? However, I've had to learn to juggle that. So this is where I've had to come to Alexis and it kind of sucks for her. But I said, I know you play me and you lie. So now, unfortunately, like when I don't believe you, you've got to go to your room. And I feel bad because you might not have been lying. But these are the consequences. And so even that sucks of having to do that to her, but I can't let her play me. And so that's helped a lot, though, because for a while she was going to her room and for some things and then she realized, oh, okay, like if I tell the truth, then I'm uh, then. And so we had to go through that with her, which wasn't fun because parenting is not fun. Sometimes those battles are hard, you know, especially with my own stuff, trying to like, um, keep my mood in check and be a good parent you know so there's a lot to deal with that people don't see yeah they just think you you walk around sometimes you fall you shake and then you get back up and your life keeps going every time you fall and shake you your brain is damaged a little bit that's that's what happens you know and so people don't realize that like all these little things like I used to remember you could wake me up in the middle of the night and I would be like oh it's over there. I can't remember anything. I lose my own stuff all the time. All the time. People ask me now again, the car, Megan, do you have your phone? Do you have your wallet, Megan? Like they literally go through a list with me and I never had that in my whole life. So I had to adjust to that. You know, I had to not be the one who knows where everything is or who remembers everything, you know? And so these are also the things that are inside that people don't share because um, it's hard to share some things, especially when you used to be able to do stuff and you can't anymore. And that loss of control can be yes. terrifying and overwhelming. So yes. mental health wise, how have you been coping? I've had to talk to a doctor when that one medicine, and this is so hard for me, was that when that medicine made me manic, I had to go to the hospital. I had, and that was so embarrassing for me. It shouldn't have, but it is for everybody. That's the stigma. I felt so weak. I went there feeling like Megan, like get it together, but I couldn't, I had to go in there and admit that that medicine was not working and that it was making me a bad parent. And, and that's hard, you know, and then I have to wean off of it. And then I have to, it's scary not knowing, do I have seizures? Like these are things people don't see, you know, and uh, it's a difficult thing. It's not easy. 
And it's great because you know what's so exciting is people be 10 years free and then done. It's gone. It's it, like, so it's never something that just stops. You never are free. You might get like, that's our thing. We're always like, yay, like a year, no seizure, a year, no seizure, because it's always that accomplishment. Because every year that you don't have a seizure every day is like a good day. You know, every time I don't have a complex, I'm closer to getting my license back. You know, once I get my medicine under control, I, like, I don't have a license. I live in a town where the buses suck. A 15 minute drive takes me an hour bus ride, you know? So um, I, I don't take the bus because I'm, I'm, I, I, there's no point. To, I'm not taking a bus for an hour for a 15 minute drive. So, you know, I have wonderful friends, thank God that um, help me out all the time and drive me and, and stuff like that. But there's not people who are lucky like me that have that support you know um and that's where I think like we need to talk because it's hard it's hard like I'm I'm a pretty resilient person but I feel like silly I can't spell sometimes now and it's so weird like I could spell I'm not a good math person but I could spell like me and my sister she could do math and that was our thing when she would make me mad it'd be like spell this Jacqueline like that you know what I mean she'd be like add this Megan you know and like so now when I have a blank on a word to the fact we're like auto correct can't even correct my word so like that's so frustrating because I'm like I can feel it in my mind too but I can't get it out so these are also things that people um don't see and don't think of and neither did I until I was in that position you know and I thought it was the medicine too Francesca I didn't think it was my brain at first I thought it was the medicine is why I can't spell the medicine is why my memory is bad the medicine is what is this sorry I'm but it wasn't the medicine. It was my brain. It's because my brain was changing. That was really hard to accept. And that, if I go off all these drugs, it's still the same, my brain. And that is so powerful for you to speak out about because there is not that level of education. No one would know this if you didn't tell us. And that must be so frightening and frustrating to know or to not know and not know, is it the medication? Is it my brain? Why is this happening? And then other people to see it happening and not knowing how to explain it because you don't know yourself. Yes. And that is why these conversations are so, so important because someone else out there might be struggling and not know what it is. And you are helping them so much to not feel like they're going crazy, but to know that they're valid in what they're going through. And they are valid. And there is... And it's so because everybody is so different. Some people just get like really um, anxious, like, and then that's a partial. So if you don't know that you're having partials, you also can't address that with your doctor, you know, and then you can't fully get to this point where you're actually, you're, you're at a good threshold with your medication, or if you're not on medication with whatever way you're dealing with it, you can address that issue before it becomes a complex and then you have a grand mall, you know, and some people their whole life just live with complexes and partials and they're okay with that, you know, because like I said, if I didn't have my daughter and it's just a small glimpse in time for me, and then I just keep rolling, I don't have another drug in my system. Like right now I went from taking two pills to 12 in a year. And that's just from my epilepsy because on one thing you need something else and then you need something else. And then you need, and it's like, it's always adding on more drugs to fix what the other drugs did, you know? And so that's another thing people don't, that's even hard for me. 
I don't even take Advil or Tylenol or I, I wasn't even that person. If I had a headache, I was like, Megan, you need to drink water. You haven't drank enough water today. So to even have to take that much medication, like bothered me, you know? And again, these are just little things that might seem to, because I talked to, oh, I, I get that. For people who don't have epilepsy, don't, that bothers me. Because you might get that, but you don't have epilepsy. So you don't get that. You know what I mean? Like we all have things where like we have deja vus for a second. Like I understand that. But the whole thing is like, you don't have epilepsy. It's different. I have deja vus about things that don't exist ever. I have deja vus about things that never, my brain totally makes up like a whole story about something. And it's not even people I know, like it's not. And so at first my mom would say things cause like, she's like, oh, maybe. And I would just get irritated. Cause I'm like, mom, it's not about you. And you don't have epilepsy. I do, you know, the very first time again, for people like the very first time I had a seizure was the scariest. I was standing, getting my daughter ready for school. And I babysat another little boy. Um, and my kid was half days. So I was getting like her ready to go or what have you. And we were finishing lunch and I was standing there and the house was empty. Um, my friend's father was renovating their basement though, but like we're upstairs and I heard, I felt like I was at a concert. I heard music really loud in my ears and I could hear like yelling kind of like, that's the only thing. If you go into like a um, really loud place and you're just sit there quiet for, and you just listen to anybody, that's what was in my brain. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then I'll, I know. So I'm like, Megan, you're, you're going, you're going batty. Like what the heck is happening? Like, and I knew something was wrong but I didn't even like, and part of me didn't even want to tell the man downstairs who was renovating. His name was Dave. Cause I'm like, I felt like I felt crazy. Right. By the time I hit the door from the kitchen, which wasn't maybe like 10 feet, I dropped. And my, my daughter did see that. Um, she did see me having a seizure and she remembers and I feel bad. She was saying, mom, get up. As she said, she thought I was playing a joke. Cause like, I would never play a joke like that, but I am that mom. Like, you know what I mean? I, me and my kids have fun. I like to bug her and we're pranksters and whatever, you know? Um, and she, that's what she thought is that I was having, um, I was playing a game with her. She was only five when that happened. Wow. And, she, and she remembers that. Yeah. So like she carries that like in her and she remembers it. Um, I'm lucky I have a pretty resilient kid so far. Like we don't know, like I'll talk when she's 20. I'll let you know, you know, but <laughs> I don't know. I try to be very open with her and, and educate her and let her know. And, and that's all like, I believe I can do and she can help other people knowing things too, you know? Yeah. I put a video out there of me having a seizure. That was really hard wow. to put out there on. I put it, if anybody wants to watch, like it is on my um, Instagram, which is like Miss Megan Gormley. And that was really hard for me to put out there. It's, it's, but the thing is, is that it doesn't matter that it's unattractive guys. That's what bothers me, which is silly. So I have to like putting it out there also got that over for me, which it has to be for everybody because now people can see like, I'm not having, um, like I'm not having, a, um, um, an overdose, like, cause some people think that, and then they give them like Narcan or, or I think that's what it's called. Um, for, it's a drug that you can give to stop, um, overdoses, and so they'll give that to people and we're just having a seizure. We're not overdosing, but they don't even know enough to know the difference even between that, you know? Wow. And so putting that video out there, I wanted people to see 
like this is what it looks like and this is what it sounds like and to be honest guys I'd never seen myself have a seizure until that video that was the first time I'd seen that video that's out there my for myself as well and so I look at that like everybody else and I'm like oh my god like that's what I look that's what I sound like I sound like that like and it is really scary for the people outside and I think people need to know in my life it's scarier for them outside than it is for me the people watching me are, are scared. I'm in my own, I have no idea what's going on. So I'm not, I'm not afraid until I come out and then I'm not even afraid. I'm just like, oh man, like, you know, like that happened. Like it's more of that sort of thing for me. So people also need to understand that the people who deal with watching the people they love go through this, or even seeing somebody out and about that seems to have a seizure, like it at that point, just know that like, generally we're in our own zone and so you need to remember to calm yourself at that moment because we're not scared inside we're you know we're inside we're not there you know so help us but at the same time yeah at the same time don't be afraid that I'm suffering inside because you're suffering outside I'm inside like asleep no idea what's going on until I come out that you know. is such important information because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know what to do in that situation. Mm-hmm. And to know that you don't know what's going on, but if I can call myself as a bystander and get myself to a point where I can be supportive when you come out of it, exactly able to help you. Because if I'm all stressed out, how does that help you? Because then it's about you. And I need exactly. that. That's when I need you. When I come out is when I need somebody to be there and say, everything's good, Megan. You just came out of a seizure. Like, you know, like a, you, you were in it for this long. Like, you know, and my question is usually like, what did I do? You know, like what happened and, and things like that. Um, and a lot of times people have to know you can have an active seizure, which is shaking for five minutes. If they stop shaking. Okay. Up to, so if somebody like after like even four foot, like up to five minutes, you're allowed to physically shake. Okay. You can stop shaking and sleep for four hours after that, for five hours after that's okay. Well, obviously if you're at the mall, you need to go home, but I mean, like, it's okay. A lot of people do sometimes I'll sleep for two hours after, and then I'll wake up. But as long as I'm not seizing, then I'm resting. The whole point of the seizing after five minutes is your brain and lock lack of oxygen. That's that problem. So once you stop all of that, as long as you're sleeping and you're breathing and you're, and you're good, just let them sleep. Like I tell people, I don't want to wake up in a hospital. Like I would be more upset with my family if I was just having a seizure and it wasn't under the five minute mark and and what have you. And I've told everybody, I don't want to go in the hall. I don't want to sit there for hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where it's like, okay, but this is about me too. Like you might be scared and I get that, but please just give me my, my five minutes before you do that. This you, is such important information. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I just am so incredibly amazed that you made a video and showed what it was like going through a seizure and you're providing this education and research and research and this information because I wouldn't know that there was that five minute mark and the people Mm -hmm. around you really do need to be able to 
calm themselves and watch the clock in time and make sure that you're okay. Exactly. So important. And a lot of people wouldn't know to do that if we didn't have this conversation. And a good thing is about my video is my, um, I was actually sleeping at my friend's house. And so my friend Sarah is also a PSW. It's easier for her in some way. Like she said, she cried because I'm her friend. Now she's seen seizures at work. Okay. So she has seen this thing. She's been um, educated on how to deal with these things. And, um, but she's never had her best friend. I call us a modern family, like go through that. So it's good even people to like, take a look at that video because they can see even Sarah's compassion for me at the time. And they can see what she did for me and like what she was able to offer me. Do you know what I mean? At the time. And she was calm and she was collected. And if you look, she was just rubbing me and saying like, it's going to be okay, Megan. And I don't remember any of that, but it's still nice when I look back to see that she did that. Like that she sat with me and loved me and was rubbing myself and like being there for me, even though I wasn't there, she kept herself calm, collected. She was able to videotape it, which people need to know is a very important people. Even if you're a bystander for somebody filming it for them, as soon as you see it can really, really, really help them because their doctor needs to see that. So if you ever can do that for somebody, whether you're in the situation or um, in, in your home or you're a bystander, if you're able to do that for somebody, please do that. Because that can make a huge difference in what the doctor sees as to what's actually going on while they're seizing. That is such important information because like you said, you don't know what's going on during the time you're seizing. So how can you yes. explain it to your doctor? You can't. No. In that video can really help your doctor understand that is such important information. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And that's very important. These are things that, um, that I, the last year has been, um, COVID is when things really started to escalate. I was, um, for me, I was only having deja vus, you know, and then, but these are things the last year that I've struggled with, especially going to school. It was really hard to withdraw from paralegal. Boy, that was hard, but I couldn't do it. And I had to admit that still gets me. <laughs> But it was empowering understanding that I couldn't do it. Sucks that I can't, but being able to just like say, to, you know what, Megan, like you can't do it. And it's not because you can't, it's just because things in your life are different. And for me, like I could have kept going. I was able in Ontario to do a disability load. So I was like, it's supposed to be a seven course load, legal course load for nine months. I was blessed where I could do a 40%. But even after that, for a while with all the medication changes and all my mental health issues and my memory, it was just too overwhelming. And in the end, I wasn't going to be able to perform as a paralegal the way I wanted to. I w- so I decided to do a really hard thing, withdraw from school. And now I'm here trying to help everybody else with what I went through. So you can be prepared for what is to come or what may come. And like, please reach out to me. I'm always telling people, like I direct people to the Reddit group. Um, It's epilepsy Reddit group all the time. Talk on there. I love that it's people all over the world. We have to remember that medicine isn't just our country. We really get conditioned to think that where we are knows everything, but they don't. And so reading from all over the world really helps. And to have that community to know that you really aren't alone. Yes. That is so powerful because like you said, it has to be terrifying and it can feel so lonely when you don't understand, you don't know, your doctors can't really tell you everything. And to find this community that 
has answers to questions that you have that can help put things into perspective and help you see and understand more about yourself so you can become self-aware and do what's best for you and as a parent do what's best for your child and I want to go back because you talked about how your daughter saw your first seizure Mm -hmm. how do you open a conversation with your daughter about epilepsy what are some important as a parent some important information that you think is important to share the conversation and how to have that conversation yeah so I didn't when she was younger we were like because it was control we didn't she knew I had it but wasn't um much of a conversation because at that point um I just uh, I didn't count myself as being epileptic I had epilepsy but I wasn't an epileptic so once I did I actually had to sit down Um, with my daughter and Sarah has three children that we're all very active in each other's lives. So I just sat them all down and I explained to them, this is what happens. Um, Like at that point, if you guys are home, you're like, call an ambulance. I'm not putting that on them. You know what I mean? Or call your mom or what have you. Um, I showed them the video, which of course, even for them um, was a little disturbing, but I'm more about empowering So they know what they're walking into. We can have a conversation when they see it first. I wasn't able to have a conversation with Alexis at five. Yeah. You know, I wasn't able to. So I said, girls, you need to watch this video and then we're going to talk about it. And they just all said it was disturbing. Like, and I said, but I was okay. Like I'm sitting right here. I'm okay. When you saw that stuff going on, I didn't know what was going on. So I understand what I looked like was scary, but inside, like I was okay you know and so um Alexis knows I'm very open with my daughter I'm the type of parent that I'd rather like give her the information than let other people give her information so at least she has what I have researched and given her first to then compare it to the information that she's been given by other people and hopefully within that she will then take those two things and and research herself to form an opinion right Mm -hmm. um I'm very open to talk about it. I've also told my child, we have something called um, kids help phone here. So I said, like, you're always welcome to call them Alexis. Like if you have, um, if you have stuff going on, you know, um, she's getting older and stuff has changed. So I'm sure therapy would be like a good thing for Alexis for people just to be able to talk to people because it's scary for her too. She's also an only child. So it's like, she doesn't have a sibling around. Like when these things happen, like she's by herself if if for dealing with some of it you know so um I just tried to let her know I'm fine when these things happen you know and um we laugh a lot at some things that I do which is is open like we don't take it seriously I say really funny things sometimes by accident I forget words I tell the kids to do things and um because I'll just say uh, like for example my dog's name is Grant and which is short for grand mall because he's my epilepsy dog so he is there to to sit with me when I wake up and to sit with Alexis if nobody's there he doesn't like push buttons or anything um like that he's just there if Alexis and I are alone she had somebody or that that's what it is now um Zachary who is uh, my friend's child I do not know why but I call Zach grand and grand Zach all the time all the time I do it and I think it's one syllable that's the only thing that I can tell my some something about the one syllable so like we laugh at those things because you know or um one day Haley which is like my friend's daughter I don't remember she did something and I'm like why did you do that and she's like well you said this so I thought because I say things all the time buggered up 
that you meant this. And I was like, Haley, you <laughs> like, I love you, but you guys need to confirm with me. Cause that is not what I meant at all. Like when, so I know you were trying to help me cause they don't bug me all the time and say, what do you mean? Cause a lot of times they can like understand what I mean and they don't bring it to my attention, but I forget what she did that. It was really funny. Cause I was really confused why she did it. And she's like, well, this is what you said. So this is what I thought you meant. And that's where I was like, I love you guys for not always calling me out and for working with me and, and understanding, but some things please question me because <laughs> I, that is not what I meant at all, you know? So, um, I think just being like lighthearted and acknowledging that I do forget things that they love me. And that's why Haley did that. You know, she was taking care of me. She's like, you know, I, I, Megan, this is what she meant. And, and that's what loving thing is. Sorry. What is loving? Like all these people around me that I get to surround myself with love me and laugh with me. And, um, because it can, I've said some inappropriate things that I never say, but my words get mixed up and it just happens. And I can't take them back once they're said. And I always hope that I'm not in a place that it's taking um, something that I've said, like anybody's offense. And that's what gets my anxiety. And that's another people need to understand. Like I'm anxious because I go out and what if I say something offensive that just my words get mixed up sometimes? Cause I don't ever want to do that. Like I'm not that person. So that's another fear I have. My friends had to tell me once my epilepsy got bad to stop telling everyone, Megan, you don't need to tell everyone you have epilepsy. Like when you screw up your words, when your memory totally blanks, when like you don't, you don't owe them that, you know, but it was me inside feeling insecure. It wasn't about them. It was about me. Cause I was trying to justify to myself. Cause I felt like I felt ignorant. I felt like, like, listen, this isn't who I am. I actually have myself together. It's just like my epilepsy, but I stopped doing that. Cause she's right. It doesn't matter. I don't have to explain myself, you know, to people. And that's a really big thing I had to learn in it coming around. I had to be okay with myself, you know, and having my friends helped me with that it and having like, support. It sounds like you have an amazing support system. And I admire the way you had the conversation with your daughter and the way you approach it because a lot of parents tend to tiptoe around the difficult subjects because mm -hmm. they don't know how to have the conversations where they take it too seriously in the sense that it terrifies the kid yes the kid doesn't feel comfortable going to you with questions or yeah. pointing things out to you that might be important because they don't want to stress you out but by joking about some of the symptoms about explaining it about being able to show the video to your friend's kids and let them know mm -hmm. if you see this, I'm okay. It's yes. so powerful instead of them going into a situation where they don't know what's happening and it's overwhelming and it's terrifying. Yeah. Just done an incredible, incredible job making Thank sure you. that they are prepared and ready and able to come to you and have these conversations. And I just admire that so much about you. Thank you so much. And I think it's, uh, everybody parents differently, obviously. I've always been of the idea that with anything, even like, you know, cause children, people wonder, worry, sorry about their children going out into the world and people taking advantage of their children. But I've always been open with my daughter and told her, and like, it's hard to have conversations where I've told Alexis, people might tell you to keep things secret and they might say things, but that's just all a lie. And I've had conversations of, and it's a hard conversation, but you know what? I'd rather her know that than have a different reality. Yeah.
right? So these are why I've just been that parent because I'd rather her know ahead of time and the other children to know ahead of time what they're getting into. So they know rather than getting into it and getting hurt more because they ha- they're panicked inside, you know, like I love them and their kids, they watch my video and they're like, Ooh, you know, cause they're kids, kids don't, they don't have reactions, you know? And, um, and even them, like, I'm just so blessed even to have all these children in my life that, that do their best to, um, help me without really pointing out sometimes when I screw up, you know, and sometimes they do. Cause we laugh. Cause I say funny things sometimes, you know, what did I say to Sarah? Oh, I was asking my friend if she started a TMI, but it's girl stuff. Like whatever we're girls, if she started her period and I asked her at first, I said, Sarah, did you start your bladder control? <laughs> she, what? And I was like, I didn't mean to say that at all. Like I, and I, so I knew I said it after. And then we laughed because I'm like, I didn't, I asked, <laughs> I meant to ask you if you started your period. I don't know why that, and these are things that come out and I literally, they just come out, you know? And, and so these are some of the things that I thought I would have to, I was excusing for myself, you know, and, 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 and they make you feel insecure going into a job and going in places and meeting new people and doing these things because I feel silly like ignorant like I don't want to say dumb per se like because I don't like that word but for me inside like in my own personal feelings um I do because if I had things that I don't have anymore like I said I have no control yeah so so that makes me feel um like I I can't get the word but like less than I was before you know you have those feelings of insecurity Mm-hmm. less than what are some things you do to remind yourself that you are valid in feeling that way but it's not true yeah so I've actually had to do work on that there's something um called a woman called Katie Byron that does work and it's a lot about like turnarounds okay so asking myself is it true and I was wonderful to have a woman I work with um um, her name is Alexis Cunningham she's actually in the states if anybody is looking she was wonderful um, and she helped me through a lot, just even through my, like my core and acknowledging like where my feelings are in my body um, and acknowledging that I'm making up things in my head that don't even exist. And so to turn that around and realize that I'm putting that out there, it's not other people. I don't know they're thinking that I'm telling myself that. Yeah. Right. So working with her and doing a lot of that helped me to acknowledge my feelings and to realize that that was my own fears inside that I was putting out there on other people which was making it twice as difficult on me because now I had this fear inside and I was validating it because I'm like they're also judging me so I'm obviously it's real you know what I mean when the person walking down the street because I was sitting outside all um, I I don't drive so I sat outside during COVID all the time in the front because the sun was there and I would tell um, Alexis this is my my therapist and my daughter have the same name um, but I would tell Alexis I would tell her I feel I think I feel like people think I'm crazy because I sit out here all the time and I read or I do whatever but if in my house like um it's depressing so I get up every day and I get out and I sit out here because I don't want to be depressed you know but then I think people think I'm crazy because um I am sitting outside every day when they walk by and and it's just silly right like it's even silly saying it But this is part of having a neurological disorder, having anxiety, even any neurological disorder. These are a natural thing that comes with it. Um, Irrational. Yeah, totally. 
totally rational. Yep. You know, but at the time I, my, my feelings are valid and that's, I just really get with people. Everyone's feelings are valid and, and, and whether or not you agree with them, it is their feeling. Exactly. You know, and so I've worked through a lot of that to tell myself that people aren't judging you, Megan, like you're judging yourself. And so I had to stop doing that. I just had to say, like, if I say messed up things and if I offend somebody, um, I never mean to like and if I and if I do and they approach me, then I can apologize and explain the situation. You know what I mean? But I can't walk around tippy toeing because of my neurological disorder and my fears of what I might say or when I get really worked up. Um, it's usually like when I get really excited about things, like my words will get buggered up or whatever, you know? Um, and that is a fear for me because I've said some inappropriate things by accident, you know? And some of it's just rhyming. Rhyming seems to be a really big problem with me too when I'm saying things. If things rhyme, I'll like um, say things like there's just so many crazy things, Francesca. I'll repeat people in a store and I'm usually with Sarah because um, like it's COVID here. So like you, I have my family like that. I've been with her forever. Um, and why did you, why did you say that? And she'll repeat. And I'm like, I don't know. I heard the people behind me say it, but I didn't know I said that too. Weird things. Right. And I just, we just laugh because I'm like, I don't know. I hope they didn't hear me repeat what they just said. Right. Like, you know, you're standing in Walmart. And the person in front of you, like tells the person beside you, well, you, you know what I mean? But I just laugh. Cause what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? You know, like you have to learn to laugh at yourself, I think, and, and not take it so seriously, you know? Um, and when you need to sleep some days sleep, I've learned that it's okay. It's different. Like for when you, when you're tired, like with this, like, um, like you deserve just to have a nap, like just do it. You know, my hardest part I tell people is getting back up. Don't stay in bed, you know, have your nap and get up and keep going with your day, you know, cause don't like, you're always going to be tired. That's our life. Don't let it consume you. Megan, you have given so much amazing advice, insight, information, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you oh, so, well, so much for joining me. Information I think is really um, good for people to do. Um, for me, my, my neurologist wanted me to write everything down with my memory issues and it was just not working for me. So what I've worked out now is as soon as I have a, a seizure, I just call them and I leave a voicemail and I explain what's gone on. So I'm right there in the moment. They can chart it down. They know that if, if they want to call me because of what I've said, they, they do. And if they don't need to call me and they just chart it, then we are okay. But it's very important. I think to call your doctor, to have that voicemail set up. If you are not able to be on it, I wasn't, I acknowledge that that's who I am. So please, if you can't do that, that's something else I came up with that really works for me. And I acknowledge that I couldn't do it. And please, that's something I just really wanted to share with people. That is such amazing and important information. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for sharing. Yeah, thank you. I'm so happy to spread the word. And like I said, please, like if people um, want to reach out, I'm here and I encourage everybody, whether or not you have epilepsy, like please educate yourself. And to whomever made that Reddit group, I just want to say thank you because I, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't be able to tell you these things with whomever created that group on Reddit. 
I don't know when, but I want to thank them now. And, and even that person, like the amount of people that they have helped since they have opened that group, like blessed to them, you know, and I thank them personally. And um, again, like if anybody has any questions, like PM me, even if you just need to vent, I don't know anybody with epilepsy guys. I just know me. I've never had any friends. I've never talked to anybody. So I love to hear from people. So please, you need somebody guys like I'm here at all times. I might not answer. I might be sleeping, but when I'm up, I will. You are absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Francesca, for giving me this platform.